With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. What is the real product of Instagram? And if you say photos, you're almost right, but not quite. Plus, I talk about some more of my favorite persuasion techniques. I talk about how to monetize and build a strong online community. Talk about Portlandia. Talk about Warlord Ski Masks and the real reason that people hate each other. And also, most importantly, how to care less about what people think about you. Hope you enjoy. If you have any questions, topics, feedback for me, because I love all that stuff, text me at 203-590-8607. Thanks for listening. Well, well, well. Back for Q&A with Robin, Robin Altucher. Why did you choose your, why did you, I wanna just say, Robin and I met and then about eight weeks later to the day almost, we got married in the courthouse and how long did it take you to change your name? Your name was Robin Samuels, you changed it almost immediately to to the great, a much better name (laughs) than Samuels, Robin Altucher. Why, Why did you change your name? I mean, I appreciate it. I, I, um, I don't want to say I'm traditional or anything, but I viewed it as a compliment that you wanted to change your name to mine in a kind of weird traditional way. Yeah, I guess I'm traditional. <laughs> We're in our fifties. We have to be traditional. I'm curious. What do you think? Yeah. Like millennials are doing who are getting married now. Do you think women are changing their names? I sort of feel like it, it doesn't make sense. I kind of for feel like they're people. not getting married. <laughs> like, like our daughters, would they change their names? I don't think they would, because they've well, all seen their parents get yeah. remarried and have to change their names again. Right, right. All five of them. Who knows? I don't know. John Six marriages between us. We, we, you know, one time, one time uh, some, a friend of mine was asking me for relationship advice and another friend said, why are you asking him for relationship advice? Look, he's been married, he's been in all these relationships. That should make me qualified to give a relationship advice. I've learned from every Relationship that hasn't worked out, and I haven't, I haven't done anything bad. I haven't like, I haven't been reluctant about commitment or things like that. I've had right. good relationships. It's just for lots of different reasons things don't work out. Right. So right. and you learn from the be- the good and the bad. You learn from everything. You know the times when you don't learn, the times when I have not learned is usually when it's the longest to get over something. So when I didn't learn about my financial mistakes, it's almost like a mindset thing. Like it's the fixed versus growth mindset when it comes to failure, even on big things like like marriage mm-hmm. or relationships or money. Like if I lost money and I assumed, well, I had money because it was a bolt of lightning, like a lottery, and now I lost it, 
then I'm not going to get out of the depression. But I think to myself, oh, I had skills to make money once. Now I'm going to learn from this right. and I'll have even more skills. Then that's, you know, that's uh, yeah, that's a growth mindset. And it's the same thing with marriage, like the times when, or relationships, the times when I've ended up like on the floor crying, which actually has never really happened, uh, would be the hardest. I remember one time a relationship ended. And, well, anyway, that's another story, another story completely. What, what, what have you learned from, from marriage from prior? We've only been married like a year and a half, almost to the day, a year and a year and six months and 19 days. Uh-huh. Well, what I've learned in marriage is commitment and what's that? protection of what's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, also being protective of your spouse. I think that's really important. Um, you know, uh, being introspective and communicating with each other rather yeah. than having to go to a third party, I think is important to be able to, to do that I think with that's, each other. I think by third party, you mean like a friend, like, a oh friend my God, you or, couldn't believe what she did today. What should I do? Right. Or like even that's a therapist, the worst. really. I mean, if you can work out things together, yeah. that's even better. I agree with that. Like, um, I don't like going, I remember in my last relationship, I would go to a therapist about the relationship mm -hmm. and it was always like, here's the thing. I think in general, humans are roughly computers. And so it was sort of like, I would always go to the therapist and I would say, she did this, 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 what should I, what should I do? And the therapist would say, well, do, if you do this, this might happen, then do this. If you do this, then this might happen, then do this. And it was like kind of like how you program a computer almost. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, I got tired of that because if you need to kind of overcalculate so much right. a very a, what should be a simple interaction with someone you're supposedly you know building a life together with, then that's too much work. That's right. You know, like some things are something things are hard points. Meaning, like just because there's construction on the highway doesn't mean you stop taking the highway. It means you know you wait for the construction to finish or you help with the construction or whatever. This analogy is going to totally fall apart. But, <laughs> but, but if something's like, if there's like nonstop blocks, you know, like there's red lights every block for miles, it's probably not a road you want to keep taking. Right. This really, this, this analogy is completely <laughs> like, do we need to plow this road? Like it's going to get sexual pretty quickly. So, uh, uh, no, you're right. I mean, I think it just should be, instinctive it should be um it, it works best too when both parties are introspective in themselves right and and, and sit, step back and take a look at okay well if this if he's doing this why is he doing this or why am i yeah. doing this why am i acting this way and then coming together so all those those you know layers should be thrown out and it should be very raw when it, in terms of of commun you know, communication with your spouse. I think. I think that's a good way to put it. There's layers. So each one of us, we're just really this collection. We're like a, a, a bag of skin filled with anecdotes, mm -hmm. right? So like something happens and we pull that anecdote out of this bag and like, oh my God, after this anecdote happened, which is similar to this, mm -hmm. then X, Y, Z happened. Yeah. You kind of have to start from scratch. And I think it's really important to realize, particularly when you, you know, sometimes it's a natural thing. Sometimes I want something from you or you want something from me. And I think it's important to realize that ultimately 
yeah, yes, I care about you, you care about me, I care about our kids, they care about me, they care about you. But ultimately, that's a, people very much care about themselves. Sure. So everybody wants to have their self-worth validated a lot. So whether it's your boss or your partner or your children, you don't like, when I used to argue with Josie about you shouldn't go to college, she, her, her self-worth was not being validated. She was 15 or 16 years old. She would turn around and walk away. And it was a horrible persuasion technique to just tell her, Josie, I'm your father. You need to do this. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to establish my self-worth by saying, I'm your father, you need to listen to me. And she would just turn around and walk away because I just gave her this enormous power, like me trying to convince her that I have authority. You can't just yell at someone, I have authority over you. That's like a South Park episode. There's, yeah. you know, uh, I forget the quote, but uh, you have to basically, you know, and not in a manipulative way, it's gotta be sincere, but you gotta basically find out what, how to communicate so that you validate their self-worth and and without losing status like Josie I admire you know what you know you're thinking long term about your job let's look at all the different possibilities and and then so you agree with so and this is a very important persuasion technique it's I'll call it the agree plus one technique so you agree with somebody and then you ask a question that's the plus one you say Josie, I agree with you that college has been used for 50 years to get jobs, but why is it the case that since 1992, young people's salaries have gone down? Like if you're correct and college is necessary for a good job, why have, have basically every year with you know, inflation adjusted, people ages 25 to 35, their incomes have gone down? Just tell me that and we can, and then we can figure out maybe there's something they're doing wrong and that you could, you know, maybe there's a particular kind of college or a particular kind of major. Mm -hmm. So you ask a question, you, you always agree, give them validation and self-worth that, hey, you're right, college was used by people, it was used by me to, I went to college, but why is this happening? And so you just ask a question that doesn't necessarily prove them wrong, but makes them think. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I say to you, or if you say to me, James, we love New York City. I know you love New York City, but let's say things are not open because of the pandemic through the winter. Would you rather, is it, what do you think the average person would rather live in cold or should we find someplace sunnier or a little more comfortable? Like you, it's kind of the agree plus one technique. I think that's a very powerful persuasion technique. So if you say, uh, uh, you know, it's very powerful in, Politics, like, you know, um, I, I don't know, like if, if Kanye, uh, I'm gonna use Kanye West as an example. So Kanye West, by the way, let's just talk about Kanye West for a okay. second. That guy is amazing. And I'm not saying he should be president of the United States or, or he should, I don't know. He's, he, his party is the birthday party. I, I wanna that. join the birthday party. I love that. When you think of birth, so, <laughs> It's a, that's a powerful persuasion technique. He just, he doesn't call, I don't know what a Democrat or Republican, when I think of that, I don't know what that looks like. This you know, fun. Right, but a birthday party, I know what a birthday party looks like. Yeah. It's everyone's wearing plastic yeah. hats. 
and blowing on yeah. whistles or whatever as things that go out and and there's a cake and there's candles and we dance and my friends are there and there's music and everyone's hugging me like that's the birthday party yeah. of course i got to enjoy that's a, that's also a powerful persuasion technique which is you take something that's very common a political party is very common you add a an image a word to it that makes it very visual mm -hmm. and you and you make sure that it's very unique mm -hmm. so birthday party is an extremely visual image mm -hmm. and not only visual but it's like tastes and sights yeah. and feelings in my neural, heart neural association to all and, that and the other thing is it's unique no one has ever called a political party <laughs> before the birthday party now and then he did this he did this um you see this did you see this he did this rally last night Kanye West and several things happened in this rally it's like amazing how yeah. much news like like even when Donald Trump who's who's famous for creating news out of rallies both good and bad mm -hmm. even Donald Trump doesn't generate this much news out of a rally Kanye West goes to this rally and first off he says Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves and you even see in the video like people are videotaping him and I watched one of the videos and the woman was like that's it I'm out of here and they left he said Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves. So, and then you think to yourself, is Kanye crazy? Why did he say that? Harriet Tubman, of course, is famous for building what's called uh, the Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. Slaves would escape uh, and 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 get to where she was on the border between the North and the South, mm -hmm. and she would sneak them out of the South into the North, where they would begin lives mm -hmm. as free people. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the interesting thing: everyone is criticizing Kanye West. But Harriet Tubman would not criticize him because he was right. Like if you look at the history, just look up Harriet Tubman on Wikipedia. It doesn't take a lot of work. The slaves had already freed themselves. They were escaped slaves. So she didn't she didn't arrange for their escapes. She arranged for them to get over the border. She helped them get more free, mm -hmm. and then she did in fact make sure they got safe and they were hooked up with jobs in the north which is exactly what Kanye West said he just said it in this provocative way so everyone's yelling at him but what did he do he got in the news with it if he just said Harriet Tubman was his hero that would not have made the news mm -hmm. instead he said Harriet Tubman did not free the slaves he's factually correct now we don't learn it that way in school because school teaches us to be functional idiots but Kanye West was was smart and then and then what did he do he started crying yeah. about how he tried to convince Kim to have an abortion of North Kardashian, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and he starts crying and everybody's, it, it's all over Twitter last night. Like, Kim, come get your man. He's just gone crazy. And then everyone's talking about mental illness and bipolar. Maybe he is mentally ill, maybe he isn't. Certainly half of the US presidents have been mentally ill, like at least some kind of narcissistic disorders or whatever, but uh, he, he wasn't mentally ill. He died in the news again. He, you see, you see a video mm -hmm. of Kanye West, yeah, one of the greatest entertainers in the world, crying like I almost killed him. I almost killed her, or whether it was a son or daughter, I forget. And uh, uh, he got in the news with it. And he is he pro-choice or is he pro-life? We have no idea. <laughs> He didn't yeah. give a political statement, but he got he got sympathy from both sides. Mm -hmm. And yes, he stated he doesn't want to fund Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is not the go-to place for most abortions anyway. Back in the 70s, it might have been 
when it was more, much more expensive. By the way, check out uh, my uh, podcast from almost a year ago with Caroline Hirsch from Caroline's. She was the, also the producer of a movie about this group of young girls who figured out how to perform abortions in 1970, and they did thousands of abortions. They weren't doctors, they were like college students. They did thousands of abortions. They chose themselves to be doctors, by the way. They didn't have an MD or anything. They did yeah. thousands of abortions without one injury, fatality, anything. And they really were heroes. To be a hero, you have to go on the other side of people who say you can't do it. I'm sure all these girls were told, you can't do abortions, you're not a doctor, you can't do it, it's against the law. And they, they, they really were heroes for, for what they were doing. And they, and they did save lives because many women were getting these back alley abortions, were dying, they had a friend who had died. And anyway, Carolyn Hirsch produced the movie, yeah. it did nothing. I remember she came on my podcast and, and I wanted to talk to her about comedy and she was like, come on, get going. And uh, she just wanted to talk about the movie. But I've since performed for an entire five shows at Caroline's. I had the funnest time of my life. It's a great comedy club in New York City. I've also helped the GoFundMe for the employees there who were laid off. Go to Caroline's when next time it's open, which is never, because New York City is a disaster area. I don't know if there are any more shootings though there, but. I don't either, but. Oh, but you know where there was a shooting was, was this, this was in New Jersey. Oh, forgot the town yeah. of New Jersey. The judge who was just assigned to Jeffrey Epstein's case. So Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein has a lot of cases going on. So that guy not only was a pedophile, but he was laundering money through Deutsche Bank. And so Deutsche Bank is in trouble because they didn't really keep, here's the thing, what people don't realize. People look at the protesters and say, oh, this, these are anarchists. Get rid of these anarchists. Let me tell you who the real anarchists are. The more money you have, the more anarchy, you, the, the more anarchy yeah. you, you, you can do. You're an anarchist. The more money you have, the more you're an anarchist. A great example, someone was on my podcast last week and in the middle of the podcast, I saw this guy walk by and it was, I realized it was Dan Bilzerian. If you look up Dan Bilzerian on Instagram, he's got 32 million Instagram followers. He has all these pictures of himself with girls with bikinis all lying around. And I'm like, and then, so he sits down and I'm talking to the two of them. I'm like, where are you guys? And they say, Croatia. And I'm like, I thought there was a whole ban about travel to, to Europe. How'd you get to Croatia? And Dan pointed to the other guy, the guy who's on my podcast. And he said, if you're this guy and you have a 224 foot yacht, you can go to Croatia. <laughs> and so the billionaires or millionaires or whatever are the anarchists. And uh, I forgot what my initial point was with that. And oh, oh, so Epstein, the bank wasn't keeping track of all his money. So they're in trouble. So a judge was assigned the case. And what's really important is, you know, they always say, if you want to know what the crime is, track the criminal and or track the money. And so obviously if they, this judge who was assigned to the case just four days ago, if she was, she was assigned to the case, if she really tracked down where the money was coming from and where yeah. the money was going, was right. the money coming from an intelligence agency? Was it going out to mm -hmm. this charity or run by this guy or this secret company run by this guy? She would have found out a lot of things that we don't know yet about Jeffrey Epstein. And, so, and the people that paid him money. And the people that paid him and the people that he paid and the people right. that he was extorting maybe. Right. Who knows, who yeah. knows? 
Would we see Alan Dershowitz? Would we see Bill Clinton, Donald Trump? Who knows who would we see? There was, it goes all the way back to the 90s. And so four days after being assigned to this case, mm-hmm. a, a man shows up at her door dressed in a FedEx outfit. The door the opens. FedEx up, truck. FedEx truck, right? FedEx so it's outfit. totally a planned operation. Her husband opens the door. She, the guy shoots her husband six times, kills her 20-year-old son. She heard the noise. She was hiding in the basement, fortunately, but it was sad. It's terrifying. It's sad that her son oh, is was died, 20-year-old sick. son. And then the guy left. He didn't go in the house. The guy left. Clearly, this wasn't like a random thing. No. So, And then, you know, a couple people posted this. One friend of mine, um, check out Tim Dillon's account. Tim Dillon tweeted about this. And then people were like angry, like, Come on, man. Her 20-year-old son just died. You, why are you tweeting about this? Or come on, Jeffrey Epstein was just a random... She has many cases. Jeffrey Epstein was a random case. Really? Like, Jeffrey Epstein was on a suicide watch in a federal prison and still managed to commit suicide. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't commit suicide, by the way. I always believe the simplest explanation. But that's a high-profile case. And Ghislaine Maxwell just got arrested, so this is high-profile. So she, this judge... In a very high-profile case, where here's the sorts of names that we mentioned: Trump, um, uh, Clinton, uh, every famous actor, professor, whatever in the world, the Mossad, the CIA, the MI6, Prince Andrew. Yeah. So, so clearly, this case is a little bit more important than the average case. It almost makes me think, like, who are these people who are trying to say Jeffrey Epstein's she, not involved in this? And his girlfriend was a double agent. I mean, she was a, a, a informer for MI6. She and was for everything for the Mossad. Like, her dad, her dad was involved in, you know, her dad was a billionaire, a publishing empire billionaire, and was very much involved in the establishment of and, and the ongoing growth of Israel. Not that that's I'm not saying anything about that, but she was in her family was heavily involved in geopolitical activities for many decades. And then for her to be just caught in New Hampshire, like, oh, I was just hanging. Why? Why didn't you guys call me? I'm here, I've been here in New Hampshire all the time skiing. What, what's wrong with you guys? Like she just happens to be found in the most obvious place in the world. Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't hide any further. But again, it's the whole point. The billionaires are the anarchists in the world. The, the well, people- she thought she was safe. Because she had, you know, intelligence behind her, you know, the MI6. And, and maybe she is safe. CIA. Have you seen a mugshot? No. I We saw mugshots of Jeffrey Epstein. We, show, we saw mugshots in 1994 of O.J. Simpson. How come we have not seen one mugshot of this woman? Like, what? Where where she, did she go? She was giving intel to all these agencies. We think. In the, in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, we think. We don't know. But anyway, that's horrible about this judge. But what it shows me is that... That there's no, nobody's, nobody's like being discreet anymore. Like it used to be something like this. Maybe she would be poisoned a little bit each day or something. <laughs> or I don't know, like the pandemic has just sort of cleaned everything out. Like people now just say, screw it. I'm just going to go up to her house and shoot whoever answers. Like there's no, it, it, like obviously that's going to provoke a reaction. People don't care anymore, which leads me to Portland. So Portland now as an autonomous zone, the no hate zone. Did they just move from Seattle to let's just go down? I don't. I don't. I think. State. I think in Portland. So, oh yeah, I, and then the Raz guy doesn't he have like a new? Oh, oh yeah. Vessel? Oh yeah. So update on the Chaz. 
in Seattle, and then we'll answer some questions. Update on the Chaz. Let me just see. Is uh, we have update on the Chaz. So the, the the guy who was in charge of this Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle, the, the newspapers called him a warlord, Raz Simone. He's just gone right now. Like there's no tweets, no Instagrams. He was tweeting like 20 times a day, and 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 the guy, he's not even in the news. Like. This guy let teenagers die in the chest because he wouldn't let EMTs, you know, medical technicians come yeah. in and save lives. Why wasn't he put in jail? Like there's so much vandalism in that whole area. Why wasn't he put in jail? He, d d lives of teenagers, black teenagers, by the way, are on his head and he's not in jail. No one's looking for him, no one cares. So I go, he has a website, he has a link on Twitter, no tweets. <laughs> Just a link to store.razsimone.com. You know what he's selling? Ski masks. Like, who the heck is buying ski masks in the summer from a warlord? Like, let's let, let's start contact tracing those people. Like, what's going on? If you 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 can't even make this up. It's beyond a, like the simulation is made by like really great game makers. Because so maybe it is in Portland, but Portland. Here, here's what the guy from the No Hate Zone says. Portland's a racist state because in 1860, there were slaves there. I don't know. And I always think of Portland as like the most, there was Portlandia, it's the most liberal city. It's not racist, I don't think of it as a racist thing. But they've been looting, they've been rioting, buildings have been put on fire. So of course, the National Guard goes in and the Oregon, the, the Portland mayor's like, get these things out. No, there's, People are being killed again. Like yeah. he doesn't want the same thing to happen. I, I'm not even saying talking about Trump. Like the National Guard doesn't want the same thing to happen. Yeah. And people say, "Oh, you can't use the National Guard against Americans." Oh, really? How do you think in 1963 John F. Kennedy integrated schools in Alabama? So there was a you know Brown versus the Board of Education. You got to integrate the schools. Governor George Wallace of Alabama uh, prevented it. Uh, he would stand right in front. It would be a picture of him and little girl who, who was African-American who wanted to go to school. Yeah. She wouldn't, the governor wouldn't let her in. He was like forcibly not letting his little girl in. And so John F. Kennedy called the military and yeah. escorted this girl every day for a year into the school. So there's a history of using the military in cases where the law needs to enforce. Number one example, of course, being uh, the Civil War. Number two example being the Whiskey Rebellion when George Washington was president. So it's not an unusual thing. And we already have precedent that the Seattle Autonomous Zone was lives were being lost mm -hmm. and chaos was happening. And, you know, it was only when um, the mayor, they, they, they walk up to the mayor's house and said, we're going to take over your house. Right. Within 12 hours, that jazz yeah. was cleaned out. Like nobody was left except the garbage. And Raz Simone is off at Ghislaine Maxwell's New Hampshire mansion and selling ski masks. Like that guy's <laughs> making a killing selling the Raz mask. He's got the name Raz on the, like by the mouth. Like, don't mess with me. This is a Raz ski mask. I'm gonna set up the Keep a Skane Autonomous Zone here. It's like all these people here. Wait till I get my, I ordered like three red ski masks and a hoodie. So no one's gonna mess with me now. And they're from Raz Simone. I, I, direct, I sent a DM to Raz Simone. I wanted him to come on my podcast, actually. Did yeah. I tell him? Yeah. No response. That's why I'm trashing him now, it's only because of that. <laughs> so uh, what else in the news? Well, but the virus, we're, you know, we have this virus going on. 
And everyone, and look, we took that, we t- unfortunately, we took the pandemic from New York City. Like there's like zero deaths now in New York City and Florida, um, there's rising cases. Uh, Florida is like the epicenter of the, the virus. But I will say there's more cases than ever, but there's less deaths in the US than ever. Not totally true. There's a small uptick in deaths, but the num- the percentage of people who have, who are, who are in the hospital, who are dying from COVID-19 has gone down from like 20% to less than 1% all over the country. So the news is in every way, except number of cases, which makes sense because they're testing, in every way, the news is good on the coronavirus. By, and, and by September, October, look, I, I honestly, in March, everybody was here. I said by April 15th, we peak, we did. I said by June 1st, it'll be gone. It isn't, I was wrong, but it's at a low. And it's kind of like almost treading water here, but it's in different states, it's getting lower. And uh, in Texas, or I think it was Arizona, they stopped allowing doctors to prescribe hydroxychloroquine. So there was a spike in deaths or hospitalizations, but now it's down because they're prescribing it again. And, uh, but you know, of course there's no double blind study, so nobody will uh, pay attention. Uh, you know, you're not going to do a double blind study in the middle of a pandemic. Like you guys who are sick, we're not going to give you medicine. We're going to give you a placebo. You guys, we're going to give you the real, no, no one, it's unethical for doctors to do a double blind study in the middle of a pandemic. That's why they're not doing that. And so everyone's saying there's not real science here. Yes, there is. But anyway, that's another story. Well, there is a, a, a good, you know, uh, news about the vaccine from Oxford. So yeah. What's the news? Well, they found out that the what they're using is giving antibodies and protecting. It's creating antibodies in, in individuals. The vaccine that they've that they so have. so they're injecting like a weaker yeah. version so or a have, dead version of the virus. I don't, I don't know. Uh, no, it's I'm, not. I'm a virologist, you know, so trained on no, Twitter, so I could ask these like questions. The stem cell, like they're using a. a I don't really know exactly, but it, something from the virus. I got actually, it. You, you got it. Okay. Yeah, so what they did was they took they took um, the virus cells out of a body, maybe dead, maybe alive. They spin it until it's a stem cell. They inject it back into the body, but it's still got a tiny bit of the coronavirus on it, mm-hmm. creates the antibodies. Mm-hmm. Now, if the antibodies create immunity, which is still a little unclear. No, they, they, they are. That's what they found out. So okay. that's the news today. That's today? Yeah. So, so antibodies create immunity and... This uh, vaccine has a, a novel method of putting antibodies into the into the Correct. body, and that oh, so that's great. So that's it's good really news. Really great news. So, and they think that it's going to be. I think they ordered like two million uh, vaccines. I guess. Oh, it's great. Are, yeah. So let's summarize: deaths down, hospitalizations down. We were talking to a friend of ours who's a doctor in Miami. He said two weeks ago. The ICU was starting to fill up, but now it's going down. It's down 40% week over week, and hopefully that continues this week. Vaccine coming. That's great. That's great news. Uh, and also coming from England and Oxford, so that's even better. Rather than from China, then, I feel. Yes. Rather, it's more, tr- I trust them more. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure everyone's going to ask if there's like George Soros or Bill Gates involved, but whatever. And so that's good news. The other good news is retail sales are up. Jobs are up. Uh, in the economy is not great, but you care more about the direction than where it is. So obviously, there's unemployment is much in February. Unemployment was at all time lows. 
Right now, unemployment is higher, but, but the rate is going down, so it's the direction that's important. The stimulus is working. Will they do another stimulus package? I hope so. I think we need it. I think $2 trillion has been lost from the economy and only a minimal amount has been put back in, and yet we're still doing fine. What we're gonna see in the next few months is that the earlier stimulus package is still slowly hitting the economy, and I hope they do another stimulus package of direct checks to people, and that will be an enormous surge in the economy. Yeah. It's a great time to start a business or to get skills. And again, we're entering into the what I call the great reset. You need to develop two sorts of skills. You need to develop one of two sorts of skills, either hard skills uh, like our that are technical or soft skills, storytelling, marketing, copywriting, persuasion, creativity, mm -hmm. or hard skills, programming, uh, WordPress setup, YouTube setup, store setup. Here's a good idea for a business. And I told this to my daughter, who's never gonna listen to me. Uh, first, I said to her, can you please set up a Shopify store? So it should be, Shopify seems really easy to use. I'm a technical guy, but I tried, you were right here, I tried setting up a Shopify store and I got stuck after about 10 minutes. And so I said to her, but then I gave up because my, my goal there was just to see how far I could get before I get stuck. That was like an experiment. So I told her, if you can get me over this 10 minute hump and finish building the store, I was in the process of uploading products. I had already made the logo, designed the logo, made set up the template. Yeah. It was all set to go. I was gonna put my credit card in. If you could uh, set this up for me, then I'll pay you a thousand dollars. But then I started thinking, Shopify is just one top type of store. Like our other daughter, she has a store set up on Depop, mm -hmm. right? There's another company that I'm an investor in, Poshmark. Mm -hmm. There's Etsy, there's Instagram, just set up Instagram shop. Pinterest, you can you can buy stuff straight off Pinterest. There's the Amazon sellers program. There's there's eBay. There's, there's a dozen different mainstream online commerce sites. And here's the thing, your local stores are closed and they're going out of business. So if you go to a local store and say, hey, I noticed you don't have an online store. You have an Instagram page, but you don't have an online store. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, everybody wants to buy locally because they don't want things, they don't want to waste the time, things getting shipped, or they don't want to travel to buy things, and they want to support local businesses. Set up, set up online stores on every single platform. There'll be a one-time cost of $3,000, and then, $100 a month maintenance, and I'll update up to 10 products a month maintenance. And then you know what you do? For store, and someone asked this on, on uh, text. Uh, someone was saying they have built up a community uh, uh, in social media and wanted to know how to monetize it. And I think this is a great question. So I was gonna talk about newsletters today, but community, online communities and online paid communities are extremely important. And I was just thinking actually that I should talk about this. So give me one second uh, where I find my notes on this. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And 
I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldicher, would you like to apply to be... VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like, I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access 
to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use him from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Online communities are a great way to make money. And, uh, and it's very important. I don't really do a good, there's a, there's a choose yourself Facebook page. And to be honest, I don't do a good enough job building community around it. I've, I'm in a lot of really good communities online and the people are really helpful to each other. So let me just see if I could find uh, uh, my, my thing. Um, hold on. First off, everybody, how are you guys doing? No, we're, not, look, we're not seeing any of the... Um, oh, we're not seeing the new, the new things. There we go. <laughs> Tony Robbins community is awesome. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, <laughs> but I would believe it because I think Tony Robbins does a good job of connecting to people. And I've never been to one of his events, but... Um, oh, yeah. So this is on um, trends.co. Uh, and they're talking about uh, how Harley Davidson built its community. So here's here's the key. So there's a couple of good com- uh, communities that I pay to join. So uh, Podcasters Paradise, I pay around a thousand dollars to join that. Actually, I got it for free, but uh, the subscription mm-hmm. to join that community is about a thousand dollars. And I'm in a couple other communities that are free that I don't pay but they're very good. And then I'm in another one that I just joined, Metal International, it's like a networking group. And a lot of my, I saw a lot of my, I spoke at one of their conferences and I saw that I knew everybody in there. So, but I paid for that. That was like a thousand bucks. And there's, I was reading an article on on trends.co and they talk about how strong the Harley Davidson community is. If you have a strong community, this is even stronger than having like a great newsletter or it's side by side with having a great newsletter. like. I do an online course about self-publishing, or I did a few years ago, and we created a community, the Choose Yourself Publishing Community. And it's been pretty strong, but still not great. But people exchange ideas on books they want to write, and they write the books, and they share them. It's good. But so if you create a good community, you can charge for it, or you can link people to higher-end products like newsletter and courses and so on. So the first thing is, so this is a summary of like the the Harley-Davidson one create content that is only in 
the community. This is hard for me because when I write something, I don't. I like to let it out of the out of the can. I like to yeah. share my articles with everyone. So it's hard for me to just keep articles in one community. But if you have a let's say you're making a community around, um, you know, parenting. Okay, mm-hmm. um, right. And let's say it was your community. You would write articles. You know, ten things you can do with your kids if they're not going back to school in September. And so you keep that article in valuable content in the community and people, and then there's higher engagement then when they know it's only in the community and people ask questions and people help each other out. Well, I'm using this resource or I'm using this resource. So keep content, make great valuable content in the community. Uh, Connection, and this is every community I'm in, like IDW, Metal International, Podcasters Paradise, even the Trends community. The, the, whenever I join a community, I always notice, or whenever I see other people join, the, the moderator of the community says, hey everybody, James Altucher uh, just joined, uh, let's everybody welcome him, and James, maybe describe yourself a little bit and what you're interested in getting out of this community. And uh, another thing, another friend of mine, you know, you have to moderate too, what people ask for. You don't want people to spam a community. So for instance, one friend of mine, Jason Gainyard, he has a networking community, it's the Mastermind uh, events, and every comment posted has to either be a give or an ask. So I'm gonna give you free coaching about uh, setting up a podcast. So people might say that, and then they'll list you know, their qualifications and like, you could contact me here. Or it's an ask, like does anyone know uh, XYZ, I want to ask him to come on my podcast. There's no promotion though allowed. Any promotion is deleted. And so it's give or ask. Mm. Uh, uh, there's no take. Yeah. And um, uh, events. So the IDW event we're in, which limits its group to um, 250 members, uh, every Friday they have a Zoom event where somebody's singing, someone's doing a, performing a monologue, someone's giving a lecture about what's happening politically or the virus. You know, I often give talks about my epidemiology background and the virus. Um, so member vi- visibility, which is you get different people in the community to tell their story. So I see that a lot in the trends.co community, which is, oh, so-and-so built this business and sold it for $30 million. Tell us your experience. Boom. Uh, and you can't get that anywhere else. Uh, perks. So I haven't seen this in a community, but hey, if you're a member of the stand-up New York community, we should do this. I should create a comedy stand-up New York community uh, on Facebook. Hey, if you're in the community, you get to go to stand-up New York for free, or you get two drinks for free. So perks are good in a community. Um, You know, courses are good, swag is good. Gamification is great. I, I learned this in 1991. I was, before the web was happening, I helped build the internet chess server, ICC, the internet chess club. And gamification was everything because it was about a game. So your rankings, you would get just addicted to, oh, am I getting rankings or not? Yeah. How do you think Instagram and Facebook make money? So Instagram, what's the, let me ask you guys this. What is the product of Instagram? I'm just gonna wait for anybody to respond. Maybe nobody will respond. So when I ask that question, most people say, well, obviously, people could upload and keep track of photos. Photos are the product and photo albums are the product of Instagram. That is not true. Imagine yourself as a farmer and you put seeds on the ground. Oh, so ads, ads are not the product, ads is the business model, but that's a good, that's a good answer though. um, 
ads are the business model and that's how they generate revenues. They're in, Instagram is basically an, an advertising agency, just like Google, just like Facebook. It's kind of a, a, an, an outgrowth of, it's like internet meets ad agency equals Instagram. But the real product of Instagram is likes. So, yeah, said that. okay, good. So, so, uh, and not even eyeballs, the real product of Instagram is likes you use, you, you use photographs to fertilize your area, fertilize your page, and then you're harvesting the likes. You're trying to generate as many likes as possible because likes give you, they make you feel good. They give you dopamine. The photographs, your photographs don't give you dopamine. You already took them. You already had the experience. You're just uploading them on Instagram. And then what do you do after you upload a photo on Instagram? You go back again and again. How many people liked it? How, you know, how many people engaged with it? Likes are the product of Instagram. The more likes Instagram has, the more money they make. Uh, so, so don't ever forget that. It's not, it's not about, hey, I wanna share with the world this picture of me on a boat. It's more like, I wanna put this out here, this fertilizer, so that later I could feel good because everyone else is validating me. So, so likes is, is the method by which you feel your self-worth grows on Instagram. And then how do you feel when somebody else gets more likes than you? Uh, yeah, and someone says comments. It's also comments, you know, engagement in general. But I, I find that I, for myself, notice my likes and followers more than I notice my comments, although that's important too. And someone says vanity metrics. All these things are vanity metrics. But given everything, I'd probably like more likes than anything else if I had to choose. Uh, followers, comments, any other types of engagement, retweets or whatever. F likes per photo is what gives us the most dopamine because that's an immediate hit and it's thousands and thousands like right away if you put up a good photo, if it goes viral. And so, so with likes as the product, here's the interesting thing. Who do you hate or who do you envy the most on Instagram? I don't envy like someone with 30 million followers because that's like out of my reach. I just like, I'm not gonna be a Kardashian, so I don't even care. I, I, don't, I don't care about Kim Kardashian. I don't care about some, some guy who's got 30 million uh, followers. But I do find myself a little bit, I'm just being honest, if someone passes me in followers, or let's say they have similar followers and they post a photo and they get more likes than me on their photo. Like we put a photo at the same time, we have the same number of followers, and this person gets 2,000 likes and I get 1,000 likes. I'm thinking to myself, hmm, did I do something wrong? What did they do that I could learn from? I'm feeling a little envious, maybe thinking even, maybe I'm thinking, man, that photo was no good. Why is it getting more likes than mine? And what's interesting there in behavior is that you tend to, and this is a weird thing given what's going on in society now, we tend to dislike more the people most similar to us, the people who are superior, yeah, competing or passing us somehow. Like, think about it. There's, I, I have many more problems with, you know, my family than I do with my neighbors, for instance, right? I'm not competing with, you know, yeah. someone living in, in the across town, right. but like somehow your family, which you're similar genetically, you're similar in background, Somehow you have more problems with family than you have with people who are completely different from you. Maybe competing for also like 
attention from your parents or yeah like that too and so i think this is why people are not happy the more time they spend on social media it's because suddenly social media flattens the hierarchy like everybody now even whether you're donald trump or kim kardashian or you or me everybody now does the same thing on instagram or twitter we post a photo we make a little caption and we sit back and we wait for likes and comments and followers. We all do the same thing. The hierarchy has been flattened. And so now it's made us all like, I'm not the president. I don't know the president. He's different in, uh -huh. from me, uh -huh. but uh, suddenly now we're on the same uh -huh. platform. We're all, we're, he's able to talk to me on Twitter. I can get followers just like him. And so we start to, we start to feel competitive with everybody because everybody in society is on social media. So suddenly we're all like arguing, like people are arguing, like people who, who live in their mom's basement are arguing with like, you know, yeah. Elon Musk about <laughs> self-driving cars and spaceships. And, you know, other people are arguing with Joe Biden or right. the president of the United States or a Supreme Court justice, like Supreme Court justice. I can't believe you just made that vote because you're suddenly like, equal You're, you you yeah. feel on the hierarchy more similar so you start you would never right. call up ruth bader ginsburg and said justice ginsburg you better vote for this but on twitter right. no problem because it's the hierarchy's plan that's why hierarchies plus there's a lot of anonymous people yeah all the like anonymous they people hide they, their real identity which oh is yeah you're such a coward yeah, yeah like like balls six five six yeah. will say you're a scumbag james <laughs> I know. and it's like who are you calling a scumbag? What? How come? Why? By the way, once you defend yourself, you give the other person status and they got exactly what they wanted from you. So do not defend yourself on social media. Uh, instead, try the agree plus one technique I described earlier. Agree with them. You know, I'm probably could improve myself a little bit, but let me ask you like, um, you know, what is the best thing you've done in your life? I, I don't know, but, uh, uh, How about not responding at all? I'm yeah, no, ignoring time. You, you know what the best technique is when I'm playing online poker? The absolute most powerful technique, and it works on social media too. I simply put my headphones on and listen to someone else. So, oh, it's my turn again. No good hand, bold, back to listening to a podcast. Oh, it's yeah. my turn again. No good hand, bold, right. back to listening. If you pay attention, you get bored and you feel like you have to do so. Oh, I better play that. I'm kind of bored or I better respond. I'm just looking yeah. at Twitter for a reason. I'd have to respond to everybody. Exactly. But if you, you always have to diversify the things that are actually important and, and pay attention to them. And, and instead right. of being focused on the thing you're trying to, to ignore or to, to get better. Yeah. But this is the thing about getting better at something. If you try to get better at comedy or you try to move up at your office, by the way, when you're at your office, let's say you're a junior, junior, whatever. You don't get angry at the CEO if you don't get a promotion. You get angry at your coworkers because they got one or they might get one or they're going to be laugh at me behind my back if I don't get one. So you're always competing against people and you're, and you're envious or you're not liking them or you're arguing with them or you're resenting them or you're thinking in your head, well, I'm going to get promoted before this guy. I never say to myself when I was at a corporate job, I never said to myself, well, if that guy could be CEO, I could be CEO because he was he was, you know, eight bosses above me. Like I wouldn't think right. to myself like, oh, I'm just going to jump right to be right. CEO of HBO because I deserve it. Yeah. But I would say if someone got promoted, I'm like, huh, I'm, I'm due also for a promotion. Where is it? Like that guy's not better than me. That's how they say climbing the corporate ladder. You're just climbing. Right. And the thing is, time. you're climbing it, not 
by standing on the heads of the yeah. people way above you or way below you. You're just standing on the heads of the people right at your level, mm-hmm. and you have to stand on those heads. Mm-hmm. C- competition and anger is among people most similar to you. If I set up an e-commerce store, right? Let's say I want to set up a store just selling little books that I write. Okay, I'm not competing with Amazon. I don't care about Amazon, but I am thinking like, why did that Etsy store get more traffic than my Etsy store? You know, that's when you start feeling resentful and there's good sides, you could learn from that also, but it's always good to keep in mind, try to stay out of the hierarchy, try to avoid being on autopilot where you're just like, boom, 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 up the hierarchy. First, I'm a a junior programmer, then a senior programmer, then a manager, then a project manager, then a director, and then a VP. Stay off the hierarchy as much as you can. Or even if you're on a hierarchy, you're at the tennis club and you're moving up the ladder in tennis, try to figure out ways to, to stay off the hierarchy. Try to always have that playful sense of wonder, like how could I learn and, and, and the, the big thing is having self-recognition that you just put yourself on the hierarchy, having self-recognition that the people you're going to resent are the people that are at your level. So being aware of that helps you to resent them less. Good. So good lesson. Good lesson. Good. Good lesson. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Altucher, the teacher. Um, but yeah, the point is community. <laughs> And don't hate people at the same level as you. This is why, by the way, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever had a a mentor. So throughout my career, I've had maybe four or five different real serious mentors, like people I looked up to that I respected, even loved as like almost like a surrogate parent. And I almost felt like I was like a surrogate son to them. A hundred percent of the time, they ended up hating me because because at some point you're moving up and they're slowing down because they're getting a little older. So suddenly you're starting to be a little bit more similar. Mm-hmm. The trend is that you're getting more similar. People only fight people mm-hmm. similar. Like now there's exceptions, of course, you know, you don't like the chairman of China, but it's not like you're going to call him up and say, I hate you. Like no, you could do it because you're both on Twitter. <laughs> maybe you go on, on was it? I, I even have an account of Weibo. Is yeah. Weibo still used by Chinese people? Yes. I'm on Weibo. I have a uh, Kai Fu Lee. Yeah. Weiboed me out there and I got yeah. like a few thousand followers. Oh, wow. I got to get, Jay, why aren't we translating my Weibo into uh, my Twitter into Weibo tweets? Get get working on that. Um, are Malays- Jay, are Malaysians part Chinese? Did you yes. come from China? Yeah. It's like the Chinese went up to Malaysia. There you go. Did Genghis yeah. Khan like unify them all? No, I don't think so. We only learn this in history 6,000 times, but history is useless. So some questions I'm going to answer because we only have a few minutes left. Um, uh, uh, here's a question for you. All my life, I've struggled with caring too much uh, about what others think. How can I go about caring less about what others think? Mm-hmm. So I've just described a technique, which is recognize you only really care about what others think when you're kind of in the same class as them, the same status Mm -hmm. on the hierarchy. So remove yourself from the hierarchy. No matter what you do, always differentiate yourself. Always say, how can I avoid competition, which takes up too much of my resources and my brain, to be different? If I'm different from everyone else, I don't have to focus on what they're doing, I can just focus on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's the cliche, 
No one's thinking about you as much as you are, but who knows, maybe it's true. You know what, everyone, yeah, you know, when you ever go to a party and you don't want to dance because you're thinking, oh, everyone's looking at you. You like to dance at a party though, but yeah. <laughs> I'll fake it. And you know what, here's the truth. I look at other people dancing and I'm thinking to myself, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> he should not be dancing. I really am thinking, like he was thinking beforehand, ah, no one's really thinking about me. Yes, they are. I am looking at you right now. I am staring at the way you're moving. You're, you've got the white man rhythm, whatever that is. I'm being racist against white people. It's okay, I'm Jewish, so not entirely white. But, uh, um, and you're allowed to be racist against white people now, apparently. So, uh, you're white. No, I'm uh, Jewish is different. I'm Semitic. So, uh, uh, so the key is just try to even, you, now that you know this dynamic exists, try to even write down on your 10 ideas a day. What are all the ways that I'm different? Or, you know, if you're worried about dancing, take a dance class online. Go to, go to, if you, my favorite is, I take these classes, go to YouTube and Google Pop and John, and he will teach you pop and locking and waving and break dancing tutorials. They're great. I love this guy, Pop and John. But the thing is, is that they're talking about everything, not just dancing. Right, so, so but in general, I'm saying, remove yourself from the hierarchy and differentiate yourself. So another thing I try to do is, first off, I, I, there's a lot of things. Again, everybody cares about their own self-worth. Even if they care about you, it's like 5% you, 95% their own self-worth, best case. Mm -hmm. So if you're always thinking to yourself, okay, maybe this person's watching me, maybe I'm worried what they think about me, but what they really worry about is they might not like me because they want to join the group of all the people laughing at me or making, I see this on Twitter all the time. Yeah. People say crappy things about me because then they join the group of people, like they, they, they think their other Twitter followers will laugh with them or whatever. They're, they're yeah. only, it's only about their self-worth. So if you reward people, not for bad behavior, but if you just, if you just always think about the people who you're worried about and, and make sure you don't pander to them, you don't say, oh man, you're so great. You do a little research, find like, hey, I hear, you know, you use the Benjamin Franklin technique. I hear you like um, Ernest Hemingway. Do you happen to have a copy of Farewell to Arms? I'd love to borrow it. Yeah. Now you've validated their self-worth a little bit and you're asking them a favor. So the Ben Franklin bias is if they do the favor for you, they become the sort of person who does favors for you. So they become more inclined to like you. Uh, so there's, just, just be aware that they're worried. The reason anyone thinks about you is they're thinking about their own self-worth first. So always acknowledge that. Again, you don't pander, you be sincere, but do the research so you can communicate to them and, and so on. It's really, it's about confidence in yourself, right? So it's good just to humanize people. Like you're, if, you, if you're worried about somebody, you know, not liking you or you're just self-conscious around them, you really need to stop and think, what is it about them that really makes you nervous or why do you care and That's then you need point. to really think about it and like are they acting a certain way well if you understand why people act a certain way like if they're rude or if they're just loud or whatever there's always a reason why they're acting that way so when you really understand how people work right it really does help you humanize people and, and so then you're not nervous as much because they're just like you yeah that well sense? I always Without really, you know, thinking about, you know, how to do things. It's just like you really like bullies. 
I tell my kids, the reason why they're bullies is that they are insecure. Or if someone is rude and says something on my Facebook or whatever, I know that person is not a happy person inside. So I, I, I kind of feel sorry for them. You know what I mean? If they say something. So I, I just, you got to look at it that way and, and humanize them. Right. And I, I, th I think you, you, that's true. You have to humanize them. I think the worst thing you can do is pander to them like, oh, yeah, oh hey, Johnny, you're great. Or hey, Jackie, you're great. Yeah. Uh, then the second worst thing you can do is try to validate yourself. Like try to brag like, hey guys, guess what I did this weekend? I won the the miniature golf competition in my yacht club right. or whatever. Like the worst thing you can do is try to brag or, or pander. But if you do your research on them, you can find information about them and, and ask them about it. And that builds their self-worth. The other thing that's good is to completely ignore them. Is to put put on the headphones and just ignore them because nobody likes being ignored because again their self worth is affected yeah. so they'll try suddenly they'll try to yeah. validate themselves for you so you know or you can do what's called qualifying them like you know what you know confronting someone and saying you know what are your what are your qualifications you know hey I want to you know get to know you but what are your qualifications for being here like if you're in the workforce or you know let's say you're at a bar meeting uh, 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 a woman or a guy or whatever, and they say, oh, I'm a, a lawyer for Jeffrey Epstein, you can say, well, what makes you qualified to be a lawyer for a pedophile? How are you going to get him off? Like, uh, so to speak. You think that's <laughs> pun intended. a friend? <laughs> so, that's not a very good thing to say, to make friends with but, but, a lawyer. True, I what you mean. <laughs> true. I was making an extreme example. Make them qualify themselves for you. Don't try yeah. to qualify yourselves for them. Because that goes, that's the status direction. But it's basically if you just sit back and just... Probably the best yourself. thing in that case is to ignore them. If you're Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer, forget it. See you later. I'm well, going no, to meet my husband it, anyway, James, because he's home wondering where the hell I am. And I'm hanging out with a pedophile's lawyer. So we got, we got one minute left. I, I had more questions to answer. So we'll be back tomorrow. I think we're going to be doing these probably three times, two, three times a week. And then Friday, I was gonna describe more completely about newsletters and I'll go over community a little bit more tomorrow on how to monetize communities. I think what I'm gonna do is every Friday on my podcast, I'm gonna release a podcast called Side Hustle Fridays. And the very first one is gonna be about newsletters. So I don't know yet if it's gonna be this Friday I'm gonna release it or next Friday. But thank you all for coming here, trying to do, build a community uh, for these Q&A podcasts. These Instagram shows are I'll put on my feed, but then also Jay is going to put on the podcast. And we have a I'm interviewing Andrew Yang in two days. I'm very excited about that. So if you have any questions for me for Andrew Yang, let me know. And see you guys later. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to seventy percent off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last.